For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. This is Birds 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. Here we go, here we go. Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50-plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack. And join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go! Let's go! Go! A good undefeated Friday morning here on Birds 365. Mac and Mac guys here to hang for the next two hours. And we have a Birds 365 first. For the first time ever, the producer, the third person to join the stream. Uh, Johnny Mac and I kind of cut it close. We usually stream in with under a minute to go. Uh, John, John is almost always the last one. But he always makes it. He's there before 8 o'clock. Sometimes Jody Mack, a couple seconds late, gets lost in what he's doing. It's, oh, shoot, the show's starting. What the hell's going on? Well, we've never had our producer check in third. John and I were both ready to go and look at the clock going, hey, it's past 8 o'clock here. I guess yeah. uh, Jeff Kerr was a little chatty today, huh, Johnny Mack? Chatty, chatty Jeff Kerr. Yeah, you know, it, it's one of those things, uh, uh, StreamYard. You can't do the the overlap. So, you know, as a longtime radio guy, you got the the overlaps and, uh, you know, we can't talk to, to Jeff and seamlessly move in. Uh, the streaming world's got to got to fix that. How do you That's like the the over the overlap shows? Uh, oh, it all, de- all depends on who you're overlapping with. Some, yeah. some people are very good at it and make it enjoyable and look forward to it. Others just want to get the hell out of Dodge. So it all, <laughs> all, all depends on who you're doing the overlap I'm the, I, with. I would be in the, I want to get the hell out of Dodge category. category yeah. yeah. Uh, we'd love to talk to Jeff Carr, but we can't. But he went a little long today, which means you're going to get a little less of us. Or maybe we'll step on our boy Rick Taratella's toes. You never know. Yeah, uh, we around. do that. I'm sure we've done that. I'm sure uh, we have. Oh, I know man. I get too chatty at the end. I'm sure I've screwed that I, up. I know we've uh, run over a couple times. So we just uh, busting stones on Jeff Carr. Why? Because we can. Uh, no busting stones on the undefeated Eagles. 
yes, we're getting closer to another Eagles game. It drags on these type of weeks when you go from Thursday all the way to Monday and no Eagle action. Uh, but there is some upside to it, Johnny Mac, because the Eagles have a couple of injury question marks and you tack on an extra 24, 30 some odd hours to get right. Don't know if they're going to, but uh, because it was a pushback week, didn't get injury information uh, till yesterday for the first time. And guess what? Eagles have a lot of resting guys again. That's that should come as uh, no great surprise to anyone. Yeah, but they do you. have they do have some questions at the cornerback position coming up this week. Um, they do. Uh, Avante Maddox, I'm uh, very confident. I was very confident last Thursday that he wasn't going to play because I saw the injury in, 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 in full time. And I, I knew it was a hamstring and I knew, you know, the position he played. And I knew it was going to be very difficult for him to get ready, uh, even with the extra time, the mini buy, and even the extra day on top of that playing Monday night instead of Sunday. Um, and it looks like he wasn't I'll give you I'll give you an indication, a not good indication. You know, he and Josh Joe both both missed practice with hamstring injuries. But Josh was out there watching the practice, you know, doing doing some things, mental reps, whatever. Um, Abonte wasn't even on the field. So I, I think his is much more serious. I would not count him uh playing uh on Monday night uh against Washington. Um, the good news is Josiah Scott was back in a limited fashion. He missed the Houston game with an ankle injury. Um, so he was back and that's good news, uh, to be back so early, you know, with again, the Monday night game, even though it's limited, that, that tells me he's on track to play and that that's helpful because he's the backup slot corner. They didn't have him in Houston. Abonte went down. They had to do all this mixing and matching. And it was a surprise to me. Everybody's like, well, you put Chauncey in, in, in slot corner. They didn't do that. They put Marcus Epps there. And they put they left Chauncey at safety and, and they teamed him with Kayvon Wallace. So, you know, you don't want all those moving parts, whatever your decision is. So it's good news that Josiah Scott will probably, my guess would be, be the nickel corner against Washington. All right. Worst case scenario, all three of the guys who have either most recently missed time or were limited in practice yesterday are all uh, either unavailable, not playing or start and uh, come up lame with hamstrings and ankles because those things can go on any given play. Um, Andre Sachray got called up to the roster from the practice squad um, certainly he's a special teams guy who's going to play on the teams, uh, but will he get any reps from, uh, uh, the, uh, scrimmage line of scrimmage, uh, perspective, let's say all three guys are out and can't even play, can't even dress up. Who's the most likely other guy. Cause they need one more D back. If you have three D backs out another D back to add to the roster, who would be the guy you think would most likely get a call up to the <clears> practice squad? <throat> In addition to Sachere, um, I, I think at that point, you know, it would probably be between Mac McCain and uh, our old buddy, the Mac and Mac and Mac show. We got to get that going. Uh, it seems like he's been around forever. Or Mario Goodrich is still there. They also signed uh, 
a former Jet that you might remember, Jab Javelin Gidry. That's, that's where not, I was going. I, not, I thought he might be at the top of the list. Now, you're right. I saw him play. He's not great, but Norris McCain or uh, any other uh, D-backs they got on the practice squad. But kind of like the shiny new toy. Let's see if we can get a look at him. Uh, I would think he might be at the top of the list. Now, well, this if, he is plays, where if, if he plays like Ron Gidry, maybe, but I don't. I don't think uh, no. I, I, you know, and I don't know. You probably know more about Javelin Gidry than I do, but I know from looking at him and his frame, he looks like a slot corner. Um, you know, he's five nine. Uh, so to me, it would be difficult for him to play outside. Now, people have done it, and people can do it. Um, but you tend to have some problems uh, playing outside. So it would depend on what you need. And in theory, the Eagles would need a slot corner. Now, again, Andre Sachere can play in the slot. Um, they've proven they put Marcus Epps in the slot, so they think he can do it. We know Chauncey can do it. So they have a lot of different options before they got to get down to Javelin Gidry. That's one of the good things about this team is the depth. And again, you're not, I think when people, we talk about depth, they're thinking you're not, I, I don't want any of those players in the slot, to be honest. I, I don't want any of them in the slot, but it's nice to have that fallback if you need to go to it. Um, and I don't think ultimately the Eagles will, would need to go to it, but you know, Gidry is just got here. And, and if you're looking for an outside corner, because Josh Job, I didn't mention because He's not playing slot corner, right? Um, and and you're healthy, health with your starters. Thankfully, at outside corner, so you're not looking for an outside corner. Um, Mac has played a little bit in the slot. He's been here longer, um, and Goodrich has been here since the start of the summer. I would think they would default. He can play the slot as well. I I would think they would default to those guys before Javelin Gidry. But the good news is, I don't think they have to go down that far because they already have players on the roster that can handle uh the job short term at least the key guy is going to be josiah scott's health as you said he was out there yesterday he was limited in practice uh, without being able to watch cell practice you don't know how uh close or fit he is for duty but that's better than last week when he missed the entire game so it it's certainly something worth keeping an eye on uh, on game day the matchup between the Commanders and the Eagles. Uh, so a couple quotes from Jimmy Johnson yesterday, the former Cowboy coach, who said that the Eagles will have a tougher time when they have to match up with a team for the second time in any given year, which we know will include the three divisional matchups they'll play twice. Giants haven't played once yet, but they will have to play Giants twice over the second half of the year, and they got a return match with both the Cowboys and the Commanders this week that the Eagle offense is unique and that because they score all that, all the points that they do in the second quarter, that uh, teams kind of figure them out in the second half. I think it's kind of a simplistic look at the Philadelphia Eagles between you and I, uh, or should I not be second guessing a guy who's got his couple Super Bowl rings? You buy into Jimmy Johnson's theory of the more you see the Eagles, the more competitive you can be against the undefeated Eagles. 
Yes and no. And let, let me explain what I, I mean by that. Jimmy's right. I've, I've said this a lot of times. The Eagles are not a complicated offense. They are not a complicated. This is not Bill Walsh. This is not the West Coast offense. This is not the verbiage that you have to spend six months on to, to figure out. Um, this is a very college-like, RPO-based, simplified offense. That part of it's true. Yeah, but and, can, and I, can I can I interrupt you for just a second? It's, yeah. It just uh, it makes me laugh. It, you're right. Jimmy's right. You want to talk about a simplified offense. Who ran a more simplified offense than Jimmy Johnson with the Dallas Cowboys? Maybe no one in the last 40 years in the NFL. They basically tell you, here are the eight plays we're going to run. We dare you to go ahead and stop them. So if Jimmy's going to point that out, that, oh, well, you know, they're not a re- really complicated offense. So what? Nobody said anything about you and you were Yeah, well, that's the point. Offense. And that's where, I was, that's where I was going with the no. And you're right about Jimmy. And I think the, the natural assumption is when you say that, because I've gotten this, is that you're insulting someone. Right. You're not insulting someone. Not necessarily. You're, you're, you're pointing out the, the reality of the fact. It, it, and you bring up Jimmy. Jimmy's very honest in his book. You know, we had three running plays. Yeah, everybody knew what was coming. I call it Larry birding people. Uh, when Larry used to go out, my, my favorite, uh, one of my favorite basketball stories, Xavier McDaniel went out and told him, you know, last second shot, Celtics down one or two. I think it was a three-pointer. So down two. He said, I'm getting the ball right there. He pointed to the spot, game over. He got the ball. He went right to the spot, shot over X-Man, who was a great defender, by the way. Bang, right in his face. Jason Kelsey did it when he was mic'd up. He said, you know what's coming. Fourth and one sneak. He told the, he told the defense, you know what's coming. And the Eagles did it. And, you know, first down. Um, it, it, yeah. It, you can know what's coming, but it doesn't mean you can stop it. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes the Eagles great. But I have brought up, and you probably remember me making the uh, comparison to, you know, Navy at the college level or, or Georgia Tech uh, back in the day. And you can't justify preparing for a certain offense more than the week you got to prepare for him because nobody else runs it. Now it's not that drastic with the Eagles, but not a lot of people can do what the Eagles do. So it's difficult to spend a ton of your time getting ready for the Eagles. So the more you look at it, the more you see it. And that's why Washington, Dallas, the giants. Yeah. Everybody has an advantage for the second game. You know, a little bit more about your opponent. That's why, we always have all these cliches about in, intra-division opponents, and it's more difficult to play a team twice, and they know each other so well and all that stuff. All that stuff is true. So does that uh, kind of light a fire under JG's butt? Because if the skin, the, the commanders uh, are more well-prepared for the Eagles because it's the second time they've seen them, shouldn't the Eagles be more well-prepared for the commanders? Yeah, on defense works both when... ways. Yeah. Works both ways. Works both ways. Uh, the Eagles should be uh, more prepared for the commanders. Now they've changed quarterbacks. Um, so maybe there's a little bit of difference there. Um, but yeah, they should be more prepared. 
it's not a one-way street um um it it is it is an arterial as they say it goes both ways through the entire city um yeah uh i mean the eagles know more about the commanders than they do about say indianapolis next week or tennessee coming up you know they don't know a lot about those teams they know about the the washington commanders and the cowboys and and they and the giants uh even though they haven't played this year um they will by by the second game yeah that works for everybody i've got bad news for uh, jimmy johnson i think the eagles offense is revved and ready to go this week against washington i think they're going to put up a whole bunch of points now Taylor Heineke, believe it or not, does scare me a little bit with his uh, make Doesn't care me at all, Jimmy. At all. I mean, at all. He is so limited. So limited. Okay. And, you know, I, he, I I hear what you're saying. He's got moxie. He's got you know, people follow him. He's sort of like a an untalented Jalen Hurts. You know, people naturally uh, uh, want to play for him. He seems to give the team a little bit more juice. But man, he's so limited. He's just he 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 doesn't have an NFL uh, skill level to be a starting quarterback. Okay, but they there's a couple of their skill guys. Uh, you've talked up their defensive line. I know Sirianni talked up their defensive line. I think the Eagles are going to move the ball very effectively against the Commanders this week. I think they're putting a thirty spot minimum up on Washington. But I I do have a, a little bit of reservation as to the uh, skins being able to move it a little bit against the Eagles. Uh, I think it's going to be a more high-scoring game, and if you like high-scoring games, get down to the link on Sunday. I think that they're going to put up some points. Uh, speaking of the commanders, we're going to get a Washington look next. Uh, we've had him on the show before. I hope you enjoy when we have him on. I think he does a great job uh, for 106.7 The Fan down in D.C. Uh, Grant Paulson, uh, co-host of the Grant and Danny show on 106.7 down in our nation's capital is going to stream in next with us. Give us uh, all the Redskins uh, skinny, which, oh, by the way, most of it has to do with off the field stuff. Uh, yeah. we're have to, As gonna always. Have to talk a little bit about that, but we will get to the matchup on the field on Monday night. Eagles versus Commanders. Grant Paulson next here on Birds 365. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Since 1977 at Rafferty Subaru, we have always been about our customers and the community. Early on, a safe and durable option, we've evolved to become the best overall brand according to Kelly Blue Book. Over the last 14 years, we've donated thousands of dollars through the Subaru Share the Love event and found homes for hundreds of pets. The Rafferty family is proud of our 45 years in business. This month, celebrate our anniversary with special financing on select models. Visit us and see why. the greatest fans on earth it's a bold statement 
but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. helped over 100,000 injured and disabled workers obtain benefits, as well as some of the biggest settlements in the state. If you've been injured at work, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Commander's Eagles game on Monday night. We got a bunch of things to check out on the DC side from one of our favorites. You catch him every single day on 1067 The Fan down in our nation's capital. Grant Paulson joins us here on Birds 365. GP, they keeping you busy down there in Washington? This commander's squad. <laughs> they always do. Rarely about football. What's up, Jody? What's up, John? Hey, Grant. Yeah, I mean, uh, that. Boy, it's got to be difficult. I feel for you guys down there. I mean, now we got the D.C. Attorney General getting his nose. I, Boy, this has got to affect the team. I mean, we'll get into that off-the-field stuff. But on, on the field, you know, Nick Sirianni was just talking about this in relation to uh, other things that didn't involve Washington. He was talking about uh, the mini-bye week and – playing on a short week when they were getting ready for Houston. And he was talking about Jeffrey Lurie and how he gets everything from the organization needed to run a successful organization. I don't think Ron Rivera is going to be offering that type of information anytime soon. Is that fair? You would be correct. Yeah. <laughs> I think all the time about what Ron Rivera must think about his decision to come here, you know, before he ever coached a game, they changed the name and there was all kinds of obviously social unrest that summer. And, and so they were having these really important critical meetings with players and members of the organization to come together. He was dealing with so much stuff that had nothing to do with football. And on top of that, you know, there was a massive dispute between Dan Snyder and at the time his three minority owners. And in a lot of ways that triggered all of this. Uh, they wanted out, they were at odds. Dan bought them out for the other 40% of the team. So he then owned 100% of the club. And it was a major controversy here that really, I think, in a lot of ways led to the name change. 
because one of the minority owners who, who owns the rights to the name for FedEx Field you know, basically said you can't keep using that if you don't change the name uh, and we want our money back. So on top of that, the infighting between those other owners and Dan Snyder has subsequently led to a lot of the um, findings and, and the ongoing disputes and investigations and I think leaks that have kind of gotten Dan Snyder in hot water. So it was a seminal moment, but that all happened right when Rivera got hired. And then if you just look at this year, week after week, I mean, there are bombshells, not like stories, but bombshells that come out every week at this point. I mean, there's landmines everywhere. If you're Rivera and these players, you don't know when you're going to step on one. And we're talking about, you know, Snyder might sell or ESPN's, massive story that he's digging up dirt on other owners or you know the, the fact that dc is suing the commanders and 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 uh dan snyder now and he's still being investigated for potential season ticket fraud uh as an allegation we've got dan sending <laughs> us pictures of letters they've gotten from the team i had a guy send me a letter yesterday i posted on twitter that has not had tickets with the team since 2008 and he sends me this picture, this letter that he supposedly got from the team that says, hey, we realize we have a bunch of money of yours. We need to give you back or remit to the state. Where can we send it? Let us know. I mean, he has not done business with them in 14 years. And the allegation originally was that basically they were withholding some uh, deposits. Like you're supposed to give those back yeah. and remit that money. And so we'll, we'll see what comes of that. But there are we know of multiple. There are tons of fans that are going to be getting these letters now. So it seems like more than a coincidence. So I say all that to say the Eagles on Monday night has just not even come up, you know, in, in, in coverage this week. Uh, and, and they're pretty good. And, and, <laughs> and so yeah, it's difficult. I'll, I'll say one more thing. I'm, I'm too long winded, but th- this will illustrate the point. Well, so Rivera, and I don't think he's perfect. In fact, I, I think as a GM, he's been bad. And I think as a head coach, he's been very average, but uh, to defend him for a second, He's coming back from his mother's funeral the other night, right? His mother died, which is awful, and and they're burying her and coming home. He's on the flight home putting out a fire where the team issued a statement where they threw their running back, Brian Robinson, under the bus who got shot a few months ago. And Rivera has to get on the phone with his agent and then have a meeting with Robinson himself. It's – you know, Wednesday night, like the next day was Thursday. He was starting with a team meeting, essentially, from what I was told, to apologize on behalf of the higher ups in the organization that he has nothing to do with. But guys, like that's Thursday now. The game is yeah. Monday. You yeah, know, yeah. What, what is going on here? All right, yeah. let me let me jump in just partially because yeah, we do actually want to talk about the, what's going to happen on the field come Monday night. But there's just so many different stories and uh, tentacles to this whole Washington thing. Fast forward ahead. All of this stuff falls out over the next month, two months, five months, six months, eight months. Snyder has acknowledged he is least open-minded now to selling the team. Somebody's floated a $7 billion plus number. How does he sell the team with all this stuff hanging over it? That That's my biggest question. All right, Dan, somebody raised his hand goes, all right, yeah, I got a spare $7 billion. You got it, Dan. Let's make a deal. Yeah, but they've got all this other stuff that they've got to do. They have to work all that out first before they sell a team, or is it going to be one of those uh, like you buy a car as is? You got to take it, you got to fix it. It is what it is. How, how does that affect a potential sale of the commanders? 
So it's a great question. So first I'll say that I don't think any of us really definitively know, you know, we're asking smart people and kind of uh, trying to provide the most informed speculation we can. What I've gathered though, to this point would be a couple things. Number one, I think a lot of this goes away as soon as he sells. Yes, that's what I was going to say, Grant. Especially that goopy lawsuit from D.C. I don't want to defend Washington, but come on. That is complete nonsense. And that goes away immediately if he sells the team. Absolutely. And this is not in defense or trying to to make Snyder the victim, right? Because he's the bad actor here, it would seem. But... Like there are some, okay, everyone's trying to get their shot at him now while he's kind of teetering in the ring. And there's a little bit of whether you want to call it piling on. I mean, I thought yesterday was, um, you know, was not nearly as, as big a deal maybe as we expected when we found out that they were having this press conference. Oh right? yeah. I thought it was going to be this big bombshell and it turns yeah. out this guy's trying to win political points. I mean, yeah, that, it was, that's how it came over. It was fascinating. So yeah. I say, I say that to say that I think that if Snyder were to sell, I think a lot of this kind of goes away within the next couple of weeks. Um, that having been said, you know, here's the, the part of this that's actually significant to point out. You know, the, the elite, I think that the team being sold right now is viewed as a sleeping giant of a market, you know, where it's so dormant, where people have left in droves, where people don't go to games. You know, they were in top five in attendance in the NFL like five years ago. They've been dead last start since the start of last year. I think a new owner views this as similarly to saying a lot of these investigations go away. The moment Dan leaves, you get people who have sworn off this team coming back to the game, spending money on gear again. I mean, who knows? They might change the name that people don't like again, <laughs> and actually pick a name that people like. I mean, there's a lot of upside here. And the biggest yeah. deal is they're going to build a stadium pretty quickly, right? They can't get a stadium deal because of Dan Snyder. Not in Virginia, not in Maryland, not in D.C. If there's another owner in here, Bezos or anybody else, they're going to get a stadium deal really quickly, in my opinion. So b- between yeah. the stadium that will be yours, your fingerprints, you're not taking someone else's renderings, you're not inheriting someone's stadium, it's not that often that an owner can take over and within a year break ground on a new stadium. Like that's a massive get for an, for an ownership group, and it's why $7 billion seems like potentially the floor, and I've heard even bigger numbers than that. Yeah, and every you're right, Grant. I mean – they call it the DMB down there. So DC, Maryland, Virginia, they're all going to line up. If there's a new owner, they're going to have a brand new stadium. It's going to be a, a, a brilliant stadium. And all of a sudden, and and I warn Eagles fans, uh, Dallas fans and, and New York giants fans, uh, the commanders, whatever they're going to be called, they're going to be relevant with a new owner. Cause that market's going to explode again. I agree a hundred percent, uh, as soon as Daniel Snyder's out, um, it's going to well, be like birds chirping in the morning. Some of the names being linked to them, you know, yeah. guys like uh, Jay-Z is meeting with Bezos for dinner uh, for a couple hours the other night. He could potentially has been rumored to want in on this ownership group. He obviously at one point owned a, a minimal stock in, in the Nets. Uh, Matthew McConaughey is a longtime fan. There was a report this week that he would want in on an ownership group. And so I don't know how good for business it is if you just have the cool kids lunch table, kind of like owning your team, the guys with the good rap albums and the fun movies. But I will say that from a player coaching GM standpoint, the second Dan's gone, 
this has been a place nobody wants to come to for a long time, that would change. And if Jay-Z and Matt McConaughey are, are taking you out to dinner when you get here, it might actually be the cool organization, which has never yes. really happened under Dan. All right, yeah. uh, Grant Paulson here with us on uh, Birds 365. All right, let's take it back onto the field. Yes, we can all see the upside potential of the uh, Washington football franchise with a new owner. But they're going to need a QB. And well, we've pretty much come to the decision that Carson Wentz is in that QB. Uh, I like Taylor Heineke a little bit more than my partner does. Neither one of us believe he's a franchise guy who's going to be taking him back to the playoffs anytime soon. What are they going to do to get their hands on a new QB if the new QB isn't presently on their roster? Yeah, here's the problem, Jody, is they are doing again this year what they've done just about every year for the last couple of decades, which is they are winning enough games that they're not going to be able to get their next quarterback this offseason. Uh, I, I always say this. You and I are baseball guys, Jody Mack, and, and, and you know in baseball this is true. Like the worst thing you can do is be perpetually average, right? How long did it cost the fills, you know, bef- uh, without rebuilding and actually kind of bottoming out and just spinning your tires? That's what the commanders have done for years. So they're going to win eight games or whatever, seven, eight games, nine games this year if they get really hot. And they're going to be picking somewhere between 17 and 20. And goodbye, quarterback, right? So that's the problem. I mean, if I ran this thing, you know, they would bottom out. You know, you you would prioritize getting better for the future by way of a short-term ripping off of the Band-Aid. They refuse to do that. Uh, on Heineke, I'm probably more in line with John, it sounds like. I mean, I, I he's a great backup. I can't wait to not have to watch him start games again. Uh, <laughs> he's extremely <laughs> limited. Yeah. Um, you know, he just physically is so limited with what he can do throwing the football. Um, and, and not particularly accurate. He is a fun watch. Fans love him. Yeah. I will tell you. Yeah. Fans very gutty, very gritty. Yeah. Behind you, man. They, It's like watching a high school, like Matt Saracen in Friday Night Lights, like the little yeah. engine who's good. People love yeah. this guy. Yeah, he is, man. People follow him. I, I, you know, he reminds me, I told Jody, but untalented Jalen Hurts. He, He's got same of the same intangibles, the leadership skills. People want to follow him. They want to play for him. They love the energy, but he doesn't have the skill set at the end of the day. Man, I got when I got back from Houston, Grant, I got to watch football on Sunday, which I don't often get to do. And the local game on here was Washington, uh, Minnesota. Two things I came away with. Taylor Heineke has got some issues. He's got some limitations. And that defensive front is outrageous, and they're going to get presumably Chase Young back. But I'll start with Heineke. You know, you take the back judge out of that game. He throws for 99 yards or whatever against a team that has let everybody throw on them, even though they're a good team record-wise. They're not good at stopping the pass. No. And he couldn't deliver the football anywhere without the help of a back judge wiping out a safety. Yeah. Well, and what's amazing is that play you're referencing. Uh, that it's a 49-yard touchdown where he threw a prayer ball up, a YOLO ball, uh, into the afternoon sky, into triple coverage with a referee, so really quadruple coverage. And what happened was I'm watching it from the press box, and I'm behind the play. But I, my angle, I see, I think it was uh, Bynum, but number yeah. 24, I think, with Minnesota. Dan Bynum, yeah. Uh, yeah, 
he is ready to call a fair catch. I mean, this was just an arm punt, <laughs> right? And the ref tackles him. Now, yeah. I'm, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but the ref runs into him. He falls over. Now it's just double coverage with Curtis Samuel having two people draped over him like a blanket. And the ball somehow gets lodged in his arms. And I give Samuel a lot of credit. Uh, he falls to the ground and rolls into the end zone. But here's why that's funny. It sounds like I'm crushing Heineke, and that's not my intention. I mean, he really is a great story, and he has maximized his potential and has turned into, a, I think, a long-term NFL backup from being on his sister's couch taking classes a, a year and a half ago in season. Having said that, he has this horseshoe. That play, ha- like not to that extent, but happens every week. And then everyone claps like seals. They're like, oh, my God, this guy's amazing. And it's utterly unsustainable. The decision was horrendous. The throw was bad. Like, everything about it was unacceptable. And they scored a touchdown. And everyone's yeah. like, this guy's special. Like, he's got something. And he's got a horseshoe up his butt sometimes. And it, it works <laughs> out. But, like, that is just not a, a plan. That is not sustainable. Uh, and, and that's kind of how I feel watching him sometimes. You know, it just – they have to do better. Um, is it that he gives them no chance? No. He he, he will – he takes fewer sacks than Wentz. He's mobile. But I, I'm probably in the minority, I would say, in town. I'm not really sure. When Wentz is healthy, I'm going back to Carson Wentz. Like, you gave up way too much for him to, to allow this to continue. There's another guy on the roster they drafted in the fifth round at a UNC, Sam Howe, who I would probably be playing over both of them. But that's another story for another day. Yeah, it, uh, so since you got him ranked 82nd out of the 82 quarterbacks on the uh, <laughs> rosters in the NFL, we get your... Oh, that's PFF, Jody Mack. That's not me. Okay. Yeah. 39 <laughs> out of 39, Jody. I, uh, just check yeah. it. Um, so are the commanders going to come in and just try and run the ball down the Eagles' throats? We've seen <laughs> it the last couple of weeks. Jordan Davis out of the lineup. Eagles, one of the very few weaknesses they have as an 8-0 team is... They're not a great tackling squad. Teams have been able to run the football against them, not been able to beat them, but at least run the football against them. Is that what do you think the commander's game plan is going to be since you're not assured that the horseshoe is going to be up Taylor Heineke's butt for this weekend's game? (laughs) Good line. So, yes, I think that's the game plan. It should be the game plan. I think really it's twofold. This is week to, you know, almost every week for them, but certainly in this matchup. Number one, they're, they're short and intermediate passing game as an extension of the running game, has to, to work. And they've kind of gotten away the last couple of weeks from um, the short, quick, what I call like quick game, hot stuff in the passing game. They need to get back to that. Heineke needs to just take the layups, right? The last couple of weeks, and you, you watch the Vikings game, it sounds like, John. I yeah. mean, he, he was turning stuff down for three and five yards to try to take these shots that, that weren't coming to fruition. So I think from a philosophical standpoint, They got a program in this week on, hey, we're not going to go broke taking a profit. We're staying on the field. We're taking three and four through the air every time we can, extension of the running game. But specifically, yeah, I think my plan would be they got a battering ram who hasn't had a lot of success yet in the aforementioned Brian Robinson, who runs really hard and kind of just slams into a brick wall 14 times a game. I would plan on prioritizing him between the tackles, using Antonio Gibson, uh, out of shotgun, running outside zone, some stretch stuff. And, and that would be my my plan. I, I watched that Texans game. They kind of could do what they wanted in the first half between the tackles and kept the game close. And I think the longer you keep the game close, you know, it didn't happen against Houston, but 
maybe Jalen Hurts throws a pick, or maybe you get that sack fumble on that weird play where he lost possession of the ball. And, and next thing you know, it's the third quarter and you're down a field goal. Like that to me is what they should be trying to do is kind of muck this game up and, and make it a little bit more of a, you know, boxing match than the, the freestyle style points. AJ Brown gets a touchdown. Devonte Smith gets a touchdown, you know, game Oprah Winfrey style that we had at FedEx field here several weeks back. Yeah. Shorten the game up. Now the good news for Washington, boy, man, that defensive front. Um, I mean, and this is pre chase young. Now I presume chase is going to play when they started his, his practice window. I, you know, it was pretty clear they were going to try to get him ready for the Eagles game. So let me know if, if you think that's going to come to fruition, but you know, I think people don't realize because the Vikings have had a bad offensive line for years, but they don't have a bad offensive line. All of a sudden, they started drafting people. Christian Darisol is one of the best left tackles in football. Brian O'Neill's tremendous. Ezra Cleveland was, you bring up PFF, he was graded ahead the Eagles guards uh, uh, before last week. And no more because Jonathan Allen just destroyed him. Uh, Deron Payne, Montez Sweat. I think it's one of the most underrated defensive players in all of football. That's how good I think he is. And then you had Chase Young back in the mix. You get to see him every week, Grant. How good is that defensive front? Yeah, they, they're, I mean, you hit it on the head. They're incredible. This is this is why this team is hovering around 500. You know, they are whiteout. They're duct tape. Like, they fix so many problems for them not just on defense, but really big picture, keeping them in games. Um, just to run through it, I mean, John Allen made a Pro Bowl last year. He's a first-round pick out of Alabama now in his, I think, sixth year in the league. Allen is playing at an all-pro level. I was talking to somebody with the Vikings after the game last week, and they told me that John Allen might be the best defensive player they've played this year. I mean, he, that that was the game he had. They couldn't block him. Well, couldn't, couldn't, couldn't block him. Nope. I mean, he was great. And you guys have seen this, like, you know, great Fletcher Cox performances or what, like it was that kind of game. Um, On the other tackle spot, Deron Payne is having a career year. He's also in a contract year. There's a chance he walks starting to look more like maybe they franchise tag him, but you think about it. There are eight games to play for Washington. He's got more sacks, five and a half and more TFLs. I think he's got 10 tackles for loss than he's had at any point in his career. And he has been over you know, multiple years, in my opinion, played at a Pro Bowl level, just to give you an idea of how well he's playing. Like he is close to rivaling Allen, who's had one of the best seasons I've had a defensive lineman here in years. And then Sweat, because he doesn't always get the sack totals, I agree with you categorically. He's just so underrated. Had six pressures last week. I think he hit Cousins five times. He's always involved. He is a menace. And he's huge. He's long. He's got big yeah. arms. He bats balls down. Uh, you, you, we've seen him. You know, he's got the occasional go up the ladder and pick the the screen off kind of play in his bag as well. Montez Sweat is a unique specimen. I mean, he he looks like an action figure. He's one of the fastest defensive linemen in the NFL, and he, he stands you know six five and change or whatever he is. So, uh, yeah, they're they're a unique group. You mentioned Chase Young, so real quick, I'll just say. I am a little bit surprised that nobody's speaking with more conviction that he's going to play. Cause like you, when they started the clock, I thought it was inevitable that he was going to play against the Eagles. And right now the team is non-committal and the reporters that I've asked on my show the last couple of days 
a couple of them have said they don't think he'll play. Now, I believe that he will. I think it'll be on a pitch count. I think it'll be, you know, 10, 15 snaps. So maybe he can make one or two plays to change the game in that time. But I would just remind people, last year he played in nine games and he didn't do anything really. I mean, he was ultra disappointing. And the conversation before he tore his ACL was, what is going on with this guy? And where is the Chase Young that Washington was promised? So when he comes back, A, he needs to get back to 100%, which could take time. And B, he's got to prove that last year was just a strange you know, abnormality and fluke because, you know, the guys I'm talking about, the Sweat Allen Payne trio of, of impact, like that's not what Chase Young was last year. But he obviously theoretically has as much potential as anybody at that position, maybe in the sport. Now, it sounds to me like you guys are putting this Washington defensive line on a pedestal that I'm, I am. I I'm am. not quite ready to uh, look up to as high as you guys are. How'd Jalen Hurts throw for 340 against that line earlier this year? Well, they did a good job moving him in the pocket, number one. Um, you know, he a lot of the time he extends and creates plays. Um, so that's for starters. But also, you know, the I think everything changed for Washington at halftime of that Eagles game. The first two weeks of the season, they were terrible defensively. Uh, they were playing William Jackson a ton, who's no longer on the team. They sat him, and they uh, have subsequently traded him but they had more breakdowns than a, a 15 year old car um, <laughs> on the back end. And so they, they sat him and that that's gone away. If you remember, I don't think the Eagles scored in the second half of that game. It was 24 to eight, I believe. And, and yeah. I think all those points were before halftime. And that was yeah. kind of the turning point of Washington season. So, you know, they got fat in the first half and then they, they took their ball and went home and didn't score again. From that point on, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but that was week three. If, if you take, uh, week four on, I'll bet you Washington ranks in the top five in most categories, top 10 in a lot of categories defensively. It's been a completely different group. Yeah, the back end is, I, I don't think, a, a lot of big names. You mentioned the shift. Another player I really like is Benjamin St. Juice, uh, the young corner, really, really long. He makes everything difficult. I was watching him last week. Um you know, Justin Jefferson's great, but he, you know, he's right there. All right. It turns into a touchdown, but he makes everything different, difficult. And the same thing with Cameron curl. He's, he's another guy. He's playing really, really well. And all of a sudden he gives up the game winning touchdown, but he's all over the guy. It's a perfect mm -hmm. throw. It's a one handed catch. Uh, they're better in the secondary than I think people realize now that they've shifted away from the William Jacksons of the world. Is that fair to say? Oh, totally. Yeah. The, the proof's been in the numbers and the results. Yeah. I mean, apparently what was happening is Jackson had a hard time picking up their match zone scheme. And so, you know, when, when he was supposed to pass things off, there's a lot of communication that happens at basically, you know, the mesh point of, of those plays and he was really struggling. And so they had major communicational errors and every single week, basically someone running free and it was him in a safety and, and that has just gone away. I really like St. Juice. I thought he got away, frankly, with a couple PIs maybe, but he played his butt off. He was physical as hell against Justin Jefferson. I couldn't believe they traveled him with Jefferson, like the number one receiver maybe in the NFL, a really um, unique presence and one of the great players in the NFL at his position. And St. Juice in his second year, who didn't play a whole lot last year because of injuries, was just longer than the line at the DMV, tall, big guy. I mean, he was on him 
all day long, just beating him up. And I thought a couple times should have been flagged when he wasn't. Had a pick six in the game that was called back via penalty. So he played really, really well. And he's very confident right now coming into this game against the Eagles. You know, they're not going to travel him with A.J. Brown, I don't think. But I think they'll take their chances more often than not with him in coverage. The guy that's been more susceptible to getting beat is Kendall Fuller, who was actually a top five highest paid player on the team who just hasn't had a very good season at all. He's then been a lot better since the Jackson change, but you, you called it. I mean, they're best players in the secondary right now. Cameron Curl, uh, if not the highest rated safety in the NFL via PFF is one of them. And he's a budding star. He's really, really good. He can play deep. He can play in the box. And they've got a guy who makes a lot of plays that they drafted in the mid rounds last year out of Cincinnati named Derek Forrest, who also shows up a lot. Very, very physical defensive player who's created some takeaways this year. I, I really like the upside of those guys, but, that's where you can have them. To Jody's point, you know, when he asks how did that happen, they still can be had throwing the football, I think, particularly in quick game. But if you're able to move the pocket, you're able to hold up, keep a tight end in or whatever, you know, your, your, your D-line's not going to win every single play. On those snaps where you got time, I think you can still make a play or two against this defensive secondary. Last thing for me, Grant, flip it to the other side. We remember the first game. Carson Wack went sacked nine times, nine, not six, not eight, nine times. And knowing Carson as well as we do here in Philadelphia, we know we got to point the finger at him for at least some of them. He just holds on to the ball too long. That's that's become his modus operandi. That's not the case with Heineke. He's been sacked certainly less than Wentz has. Uh, scheme, improvement on the offensive line. Why are teams getting home less against the commanders than the eagles did in their first matchup well it starts with heineke i mean heineke does a better job in this regard and this is why that there there will be people advocating for him to keep the job when wentz is healthy i'm sure you know he doesn't just get the ball out faster the majority of the time but he eludes pressure he is mobile he, he escapes uh he's going to make the line look better i care a whole lot about being able to make all the throws and getting the ball down the field vertically so that's where my prioritization comes in. But, yeah, Heineke has helped in that regard. And I also think the line is playing better. You know, that nine-sack game against Wentz, let's say you go five against Wentz, four against the line, four sacks is too many, right? I mean, that's pretty ridiculous, yeah. too. Their line is in a better spot. At that time of the season, they were in game three, I think that was, starting their third different center. Yeah, um, who was it? I think it was Wes Schweitzer that game. He was uh, bad. It was Schweitzer, who's a guard, who's yeah. not a bad guard, but he's a bad center based yeah. on that game, I would say. Um, but, yeah, so that was their third center. And now they've, they've had continuity for about a month at that position. They've gotten a guy back off IR who wasn't available that day. Um, and then on top of that, they, they have kind of sorted out their guard spot. The problem is it's not a strength. It's just not going to be. They signed Norwell. They signed Turner. Neither of those guys has played as well as they anticipated. But at least now, they had three guys kind of vying for two spots. They've ironed that out. Um, where they, they might be susceptible, I'll say, is their right tackle situation. Sam Cosme's got a big club on his hand, so he's still not playing. He made this week because Cornelius Lucas really struggled. But their right, their, their swing tackle, Lucas, has been fantastic when plugged in most of the last couple of years. He got torched by the Vikings. And what happened was, in talking to some people, I don't think he handles speed well. He's very, very competent when it comes to blocking bull rushers. And I'm talking about like some of the better edges in the league he's held up well against. But if you're a speed guy who just wins around the edge, 
like you're going to give him fits. And Daniil Hunter just took him to, to work with him and, and had lunch with him. So yeah. Hassan Reddick alerts. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, so that could be that... Uh, something to monitor. Yeah. All right. Before we let you go, Grant, uh, I got to sneak in one baseball question. Follow him on Twitter at Grant H Paulson H for hitter. Cause I know what a baseball guy he is. Um, <laughs> Trey Turner coming back to the NL East to play with his buddy Bryce Harper here in Philadelphia? It would not surprise me at all. I, I was told, actually, uh, right around the All-Star break by somebody, that Trey Turner is coming back to the East Coast, um, who I would say have, would have some knowledge of his thinking. Um, that was his preference. You know, he wanted to come back this way. And so I started kind of kicking some ideas around. And I've kind of long thought he's coming back to the division. Um, Atlanta is interesting to me, but, you know, the Swanson situation being up in the air, I don't know why you wouldn't pay Dansby for all he's done for you and then bring in a hired gun like Trey. Um, the Mets, because they just have so much money, should be in on a guy like that, and, and why wouldn't you? But, yeah, if I had to, you know, not before even some of the rumors this week, we were talking about it on the show. If I had to bet on where he'd end up, I think I'd put money on Philly. I think it makes a lot of sense for them. That's what Philly fans want to hear coming up a World Series appearance this year. Coming off another great appearance with us here on Birds 365, it's Grant Paulson. Always a pleasure, Grant. Appreciate you jumping in, bud. Enjoy the game on Sunday. Thank you, guys. Good catching up. Monday. Monday night. See ya. You're coming, right, Grant? We lost, Grant. I got to – don't even know what day the game there is. There he is. He's, He's back. You going to be there to, uh, Monday night with John McMullen in the press box or no? This will be the first Philly trip I haven't made in a while. The Monday oh. night with the kids is tough. Yeah, that's tough. Man. You know, Those like night games home are brutal. And, and, yeah, yeah, the kids waking you up. So if it was Sunday, I'd be there. I, I'll miss yeah. it because as a bigger fella, that's about as good a press box spread as you're going to get. <laughs> yeah, be careful. McMullen spilled some coffee on you. You know, you want no part of that. <laughs> yeah. it, I, I call it the incident. I had a coffee spill recently. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Never that. Yeah. GP, great stuff. Thanks, buddy. See you guys. Good talking. That's Grant Paulson here with us. Uh, (laughs) 106.7 The Fan down in D.C., the Grant and Danny Show, day in, day out. Talking skins, nationals. I know uh, Grant for years, but more on the baseball side. But he's just as good talking football with us here on Birds 365. All right, McMullen and McDonald, we're coming back here on Birds 365. Don't even think about streaming out. Philadelphia fans were cut from a different cloth. Born into a brotherhood and bonded to our team for life. We believe anything is possible because we've witnessed the impossible. While we may be from different neighborhoods, come Sunday, we are one and we will be heard. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles.
it's a fall car fest. And Jeff D'Ambrosio, Destination Downingtown, says, yes, you can. Jeff says, yes, you can choose from over 1,000 vehicles in stock with no wait. Yes, you can still get low prices, leases, and big discounts. Yes, you can still get low interest financing. And Jeff always says, yes, you can have a real deal buying experience without the hassle. When the other dealers say, no, you can't, Jeff says, yes, you can. Jeff D'Ambrosio, Destination Downingtown. Nobody treats you better. Jeep Adventure Days. My wife was in an accident that changed our lives forever. She was in rehabilitation for years. She had to learn to walk again. She couldn't take care of herself. We couldn't afford a nurse. We were running out of options. One conversation with Pond Lee Hockey changed everything. They understood what we were going through and immediately helped us navigate the legal process. We can't thank them enough. Pond Lee Hockey. Tell us your story. The faces you know. The team you trust. The Delaware Valley's leading news program. Action News. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit. And the hits. Go for the stakes. And the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Appreciate you sticking around with us here on Birds 365. Johnny Mac, what are we going to ask our loyal streamers to do for us here on this Veterans Day? We are going to ask them to like, share, and subscribe to the show. Jacob uh, Sports YouTube page. Um, Algorithms, Jody. It's all about the algorithm. We need to jump up our algorithm. uh, So. Oh, we're sitting in the midst of an undefeated season. But I, I want to thank people because we're over 400 shows now. So, and obviously that's because people um, listen and consume to the show. So I want to thank the listeners. Uh, same here. And uh, it's uh, it's an easier show to do when a team is good. We've never, Johnny Mack and I got this going before last year and the Eagles were Kind of a surprising above 500 team made the playoff. Nick Sirianni, rookie year. Some really good storylines. Oh, it's so much easier this year when there ain't no. And they are the class of the National Football League. So uh, keep coming back. Eagles are going to keep winning. We're going to keep talking about it. Please stay right here with us on Birds 365. Now, that being said, I also want to point out for Eagle fans how this could have gone differently. We just uh, had a great time talking to Graham Paulson and talked to him about uh, the future of the, that franchise. And if they sell and Dan Snyder's no longer the owner, the thing could turn around in a hurry, um, both from a financial standpoint, a stadium standpoint, a value standpoint. But on the field, they might have one big hurdle they got to get over is the fact that they don't have a quarterback. 
um, because man, did you guys just very poor Taylor Heineke? Not I, good, Jody. Guys, sounds like he shouldn't be starting for a DC high school team this weekend. Listening to you and Grant. Well, well, Grant compared him to a Friday Night Lights quarterback, exactly. I, but he also said, to be fair. Uh, and I say this too. I think he's a really good backup quarterback, but I think he's a backup quarterback. I think he's limited. Uh, oh. And the more you see him, the worse it gets for him. He's got to start this week against Eagles. So, <laughs> <coughs> excuse me, I get choked up when I talk about Taylor Heineke. I'm, I don't really care about Taylor, Taylor no. Heineke. I just think he's a little bit better than uh, John and or Grant do. Um, but he is not. He's not a future star. He's not a franchise quarterback. And you're right. He's a backup. There's a reason he's playing. Now he's backing up a bad starting quarterback, so he may end up staying the quarterback longer than he probably should. He's not a guy you go into the season, all right, we're good at QB because we've got Taylor Heineke. No, I get that. He's not that guy, but I just have a little fear of him this week. I think he might be able to make some off-schedule plays against this Eagles defense. But uh, the future of the, the the commanders, we can talk about what we want. You got to get yourself a quarterback. Do you really want to compete in the NFCs? You want to compete in the NFC? You want to go? It's been a long time since they've been actual Super Bowl contenders in the nation's capital. Well, first things first, you got to get Dan Snyder out of town. But a very close second is you got to get yourself a quarterback. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. And they're in that malaise of the middle. They're not bad enough to be at the top of the draft. They're not good enough to think that they're actually competing. So they're kind of stuck in the middle, which is the worst place to be. The Eagles could have been there this year. Uh, we're now all excited because there ain't no, and they're the best team in the National Football League, and Jalen Hurts is playing like a superstar MVP candidate. Oh, wasn't that long ago, John. Uh, we're up to show number 402. Yeah, back, back, back it up to about show number 250, uh, leading up to, uh, shortly after the NFL draft. Where were the Eagles going to go? All right, they hadn't gotten Russell Wilson. They hadn't gotten to Sean Watson. They weren't necessarily locked into Jalen Hurts being their franchise quarterback because, oh, by the way, they tried to get Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson, which means they were like, okay, now we can say go Jalen, but we were ready to say go to the bench Jalen just a, a month previously. So the Eagles were very much in the conversation and looking forward to maybe getting that quarterback in the draft themselves this year depending on what their record was. Add to that, they traded for a future first-round pick with New Orleans. They went from having an extra one this year, traded back again to another year so they get a first-round quarterback. And people were talking about this being a draft-heavier class. Well, only in comparison to last year where you had one quarterback, Kenny Pickett, taken in the first round. Last year was a weak quarterback draft class. This year's is better you want to know something, John? I watch every single week. This is not a good quarterback draft class either. You got Stroud and you got Young, who, oh, by the way, both of them played poorly this week. 
Bryce Young yeah. was the Heisman runaway winner after two weeks, is now like sixth or seventh in the nation in most betting outlets. Yeah. Stroud is still the favorite, but I watched some of his game. Now, it was in Chicago, Windy City, blah, blah, blah. bad weather. The wind was just stone-cold nasty. He was terrible. He was he completed about 40% of his pants. Ohio State was lucky to win. And all those other guys, and you and I batted these names around uh, earlier this year, the um, uh, uh, Taylor Van Dykes of Miami, the uh, Will Levises of Kentucky, the Anthony Richardsons Richardson, of Florida. Yeah. Now, Levis is still up there, isn't he? Levis is. Uh, Levis can't play. All right. Woefully all right. overrated. This is, mark my words, a two quarterback draft. Stroud and Young. And oh, by the way, I'm starting to get the feeling that they're not as good as I thought they were going to be. I thought they were good. And I still think they'll be the first, second pick in the draft just because of the importance of quarterback. But. I'm not as high on them as quarterbacks have come out uh, previous to them, like Justin Fields from a couple of years ago. Um, it's not as good a draft. The Eagles should thank their lucky stars how many times over that Jalen Hurts has become what he's become because, number one, it's great when you have him in the house. You're already winning with him. Uh, he's showing this yeah. unbelievable progress. But you also don't have to pay him for another year. You got him on a second round draft pick for 2023 money. At some point, you're going to have to pay him through the roof, but not just yet. And oh, by the way, it's going to be really hard to get a franchise quarterback elsewhere, yeah. including and this plus, year's upcoming draft. You know, and this is where people should give um, a credit to the coaching staff, I think, of the Eagles. Um, and not to take away from Jalen Hurst, because he's got a big, really big part of his development. Uh, but now you've been through the the startup cost, the term I always use with Jalen Hurts. You don't want to do that again with somebody else and somebody else who probably doesn't have his work ethic and intangibles and leadership ability. You know, maybe maybe Bryce Young, uh, maybe C.J. Stroud are, are more a little bit more talented from a, a skill set standpoint. But are they going to have all those Bryce Young, uh, 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 even though. If, if we, and I don't see them enough at this point to, to render a, a thought on that, but um, even if they are, even if you want to stipulate it, are they going to have those other things? The, what are the odds they have those other things? Uh, that to me is the bigger part of it. And then you, 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 we're going to have Mike Sealski. I was talking to Mike just real quick about this yesterday. And I said it on this show before. I, and I'll bring it up with him now that we're talking about it. Um, yeah, because I often wonder in 1999 if 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 Tim Couch is with Andy Reid or Kelly Smith was with Andy Reid, you know what are what are their careers like, and what is Donovan's career if he had to go to one of their situations? I often think how that would have worked out. And Mike chimed in; he did a column, I don't know when, but about that very issue. And Joe Banner thinking Achilles Smith would have been great with Andy Reid. The Eagles loved Achilles Smith, which I did not know. I, I was not around, obviously, at that time around Philadelphia. Um, and they think he would have been a great player if he got here with Andy Reid. They just happen to like Donovan a little bit more. Um, 
that coaching matters, system matters, situation matters. We just talked about Washington and the off the field stuff. That matters. Um, and, and I think people, and I've had this conversation with Ed Kratz saying, well, the Steelers should have taken Jalen Hurts and the Colts should have taken Jalen Hurts. I don't know if Jalen Hurts is the same guy in those situations. Maybe. I know he's going to work hard. I know he's going to be the same worker. But I don't know if he's going to be developed the same way in those situations. I think people don't take that into account uh, enough. I really don't. But here's what I'll add to that conversation. And, man, will this annoy both Nick Sirianni and Howie Roseman. There's a little luck involved. No, now, yeah. not not from Howie's standpoint of, hey, good call, drafting a guy in the second round, the whole world is ticked off at you because they think you've made a luxury pick on a quarterback in the second round, and you put an evaluation on it of, hey, if you got a good backup quarterback for second round money for on a four-year deal, that's good construction of roster management, which I bought from minute one when they made the draft pick. Very few of us did. Very few signed off on, hey, this is a good pick by Howie Roseman. So I'm not trying to take any credit credit away from Howie for the selection, but they selected him for Doug Peterson. They didn't select him for Nick Sirianni. They had no idea that the marriage between Nick Sirianni, his system, his coaching staff, his way of doing things was going to meld as well with the skill sets and the personality and the drive and the work ethic of Jalen Hurts. When they got Jalen Hurts, they had no oh, idea. Yeah, they yeah. might not have been able to spell Sirianni well, at the le- time. Le- let me chime in here, Jody. By no means was I trying to say that was the plan. Yeah, that's the way it worked out. Uh, but I'm saying that the, the system now, the coaches now, are a big part of the development. That's Correct. what I'm saying. Now, I'm not saying that was the plan. The Eagles, I say all the time, the Eagles want everybody in the world to forget this. The Eagles didn't know about Jalen Hurts. As as late as this offseason, they were trying to get to Sean Watson. They were trying to get Russell Wilson. They want you to forget that, but right. they were trying to do it. Um, they had no stinking idea. So by no means am I trying to say that was the plan, but the ultimate end game for Jalen Hurts is he got in this situation with this coaching staff, and I think it has helped him. I think it has helped him immensely. And I think if you pluck Jalen Hurts and put him in Pittsburgh, I don't know if the same thing happens. I If you pluck him and put him into Indianapolis, even though I have tremendous respect for Frank Reich, I don't know if the same thing happens. Um, maybe it does, you know, I'm not saying it couldn't, but the assumption that everybody's going to be the exact same, no matter where they land is just not true. And I think, I don't think there's a lot of people who, who realize that or understand that. No, I think there are some, but you're right. It's not the, across the board. And again, when push came to shove, when they couldn't get, it wasn't like, uh, Russell Wilson, uh, was out there to, and how he didn't want to pay the price. No, Russell Wilson didn't want to come here. Yeah. And uh, same with Deshaun Watson. He said, listen, I'm friends with Jalen Hurts. I'm not coming in and taking a job. I'm going elsewhere. And Cleveland paid the outrageous price that they did. So the Eagles made the true effort to get both of those guys. 
but they did stick with Hurts. I they could have gone in another direction. They could have went out and traded for Matt Ryan if they were that unsure about Jalen Hurts. I think they had confidence in Hurts. I think they were certainly <clears throat> willing to go with Hurts after his uh, first season as a starter last year. Yeah, believe well, he, I think their assumption an was MVP candidate. No shot. Nobody did. Jalen's mom didn't think he was going to be an MVP candidate yeah. this year. But they did stick by him. I, I, uh, I, well, I, I, I think, don't want to hear uh, anybody described as they didn't know. No, they hoped. They, they, they didn't know he was going to be an MVP candidate. But they were certainly willing to give him their starting quarterback position back again. And I think you got to give him at least that much credit. Yeah, I mean, they wanted to hit a home run. I say it all the time. They didn't want a double. They weren't interested in a double. They weren't interested in a slight upgrade. They weren't interested even Justin Fields, who has tremendous talent. They weren't interested in a quarterback that they didn't think was going to be a home run. Um, they didn't want to go through the startup costs again with a younger quarterback who wasn't, you know, flawless from a prospect standpoint. And, you know, they weren't taking even a triple, forget a double. They wanted a home run or nothing. And they considered the home runs, Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson, and they weren't able to get either because neither would 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 come here for varying reasons. Um, so, yeah, it's not like they dislike Jalen Hurts, uh, but they didn't consider him a home run no. uh, quarterback. And, and to, to, to this point, He's been a home run this season. Uh, uh, Co-favorite for MVP yeah. with uh, Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. Yeah, I think I'd call that a home run. Uh, no, nobody. I can't, there's nobody out there that could, uh, with a straight face, say they expect them to be that good. Good enough to quarterback the Eagles? Yes. Good enough to be the starter? Good enough to have the Eagles be a winning franchise after he did what he did last year? Oh, yeah. There was, there was room for improvement to get into MVP status. I'm not sure anybody saw that coming. Um, all right. Uh, one last other note about uh, stuff around the NFL. How bad is Thursday night football? I, uh, I, uh. Have, I have, uh, to my uh, un, undying foolishness, uh, defended Thursday night football. But because people get so worked up, oh, it's a blight on society. It can't happen. It's unfair to the players. Blah, blah. If you told the players the pay cut they had to take, for not cashing that check, for adding another night TV, and now on the streaming, the, the amount of money that Amazon is paying the league, which then gets funneled back to the players because the salary cap is a percentage of all the revenue. I'm not going to go into all the finances of it, but um, if you told the players they had to take a pay cut, every single one of them would sign up for, oh, we got to play one Thursday night? I'll suck it up, get it done. I don't need to take a pay cut. Thank you. Uh, but damn, they find a way to schedule – the worst games on Thursday night. And and the game last week, to the Texans' credit, they hung in for a half. Eagles did what they had to do, uh, blew them out in the second half, and you had the best team in football, but you had arguably maybe the worst team in football. So it's never two good teams. Last night's game was just hard to watch. How the hell are the Falcons even like a game below 500? Watching yeah. that game last night, and I don't watch the Falcons every week, they look like they should have about two wins. Yeah, they're a bad team. I mean, Tampa Bay is now alone in first place in the NFC South because they lost that game. Um, and Tampa Bay is not any good. 
to this point, but they're going to be in the playoffs. So their whole season is, you know, getting things right over Get the second half. ready for week half. number 19, yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. Now, Atlanta, you talked about that quarterback trap last year. Atlanta now is starting to talk about benching Marcus Mariota uh, for Desmond Ritter. You know, we've already seen Malik Willis and uh, Tennessee won't let him throw the ball. Um <laughs> We saw P.J. Walker. P.J. Walker's winning games in this league with Carolina. For throwing, uh, what, for 100 and change? Yeah. You, you yeah. got to tell Heineke because yeah. he would have had 99 if not yeah. without help from the back. Not judge. good. That's well, my point. The quarterback play is atrocious. Um, you know, the the problem with parity and when you, you only have a few really good teams is – you're in these Thursday night games, you're stuck, man. I mean, you're stuck. You, 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 from that standpoint, look, Thursday night football stinks. I'm not talking about the finances, I'm not talking about that. Th- Thursday night football stinks because football's not a game that you can play back to back that quickly. You got to, from a rehab standpoint, you got to get your body ready to play. Um, they don't practice, nobody practices. Nobody. We make fun of the Eagles. Nobody practices on these short weeks, Jody. It's all walkthroughs. It's all nonsense. You don't even get one real practice in, and they just show up and play on Thursday night. And the league expects them to have a, a, a aesthetic product? No, they don't. They just want the money. Players want the money as well. They're part of it. Yep. It, it's, it's an aesthetically awful game every Thursday night almost. And the only time it isn't, Jody, is when you have a high-scoring game and people think it's exciting because there's a lot of points scored. It's still sloppy and ugly, and and nobody's ready to play. But it's money. It's money. And, oh, by the way, I know I'll get killed on the stream for this one. Um because uh, we're football junkies, so we watch Thursday Night Football, and I have to speak into my remote. Amazon Plus, uh, so I can get the stream <laughs> up and going. As bad as the football is, as ugly as the football is, Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreit are really good. Now, oh, I watched yeah. a little of that pregame stuff. That's no bargain. Halftime, yeah, no. Uh, post game, I can't get out quickly enough because I don't really care what the guys who are on that panel have to say, including Richard Sherman, why he's even got a gig. I'm not 100% sure. But Al Michaels is still Al Michaels. He's still great. And I've been so pleasantly surprised with Kirk Herbstreet. He's college. He's Mr. College. I've been, doing, I've been watching him on Saturday mornings for 20 years. And he steps into the NFL, and he sounds like he's been doing that for 20 years, too. Which, oh, by the way, come Monday night, I know there'll be the haters out there. Eagles are lucky to have Joe Buck calling the game on ESPN. because it's a Oh, Joe game. Buck hates the Eagles. You know that, Jody. He hates what, What's What's Joe out. Buck's favorite line? Uh, what is? I don't know. You tell me. Um, uh, I uh, I hate. What is it again? Oh, I, uh, I like everybody except your team. Oh. Yeah. To all the fans. In other yeah. words, every fan base hates Joe Buck because Joe Buck hates every team. Or so they believe that. Uh, mm-hmm. I think he's I think he's a phenomenal play-by-play guy, and Aikman's great too. So Eagles are lucky. They have a really good announcing team, even though 
Tuesday morning when we do the show, we'll get people on the street. Did you hear Joe Buck rooting for the Commanders last night? No, no, he didn't. no I didn't. Well, I'm lucky. I don't have to listen to that. I don't have to listen. That's to right. You're broadcast. not even there. No. I, I'll be watching it on TV, and Buck and Aikman will do an outstanding job calling the game because they do basically week in and week out. All right, McMullen and McDonald coming back. We gave you a look insight to the Philadelphia, uh, to the Washington Commanders. We had Grant Paulson on earlier. We'll get uh, the lead sports columnist here in town to join us next. Mike Skilski up on Birds 365. Stay here. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Since 1977 at Rafferty Subaru, we have always been about our customers and the community. Early on, a safe and durable option, we've evolved to become the best overall brand according to Kelly Blue Book. Over the last 14 years, we've donated thousands of dollars through the Subaru Share the Love event and found homes for hundreds of pets. The Rafferty family is proud of our 45 years in business. This month, celebrate our anniversary with special financing on select models. Visit us and see why. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. helped over 100,000 injured and disabled workers obtain benefits, as well as some of the biggest settlements in the state. If you've been injured at work, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Joining us, the lead columnist from the uh, Philadelphia Inquirer, and you catch him Saturday mornings on WIP with another Mac, Glenn Mac. Now, Mike Sielski jumps in here on Birds 365. 
All right, Mr. Sielski, Monday Night Football. What does that mean for you? Everybody comments about what Monday uh, Night Football means to them, affects their life, where they watch it, how they do it. Joe Buck is very good. What do you think about Monday Night Football games for the Eagles? I love it, Jody. I still remember uh, being in eighth grade, I think it was, when the Eagles played the Giants on Monday Night Football, that memorable game where – uh, Carl Banks hit Randall Cunningham and Randall seemed to float on air and stay on his feet and throw that touchdown pass to Jimmy Giles. And I just remember how excited uh, I and all my classmates were at the idea that the Eagles were now back to being good enough that they would be on Monday night football. So uh, yeah, it was a big deal back it, then. It, though, it was, yeah. it was, there was no Thursday football. Obviously yeah. there was no Sunday night. Monday night was the, the prime game uh, beyond all others. So uh, I still get a little, you know, juiced with it um, whenever the Eagles play on Monday night. Speaking of juice with this Eagles team and uh, you and I uh, were talking a little bit, Jerry Longman was there. So I want to talk about two things. One, the expectations of the Eagles, Jalen Hurts, but this underdog mentality. Now you see, you know, Jerry showing up from the New York times. This is the best team in football. And I, I get this thing. You've been around the city for a long time now, Mike. It's got the underdog mentality. Jason Kelsey is out there introducing his brand to clothing underdogs. <laughs> this team isn't an underdog. <laughs> the Phillies were an underdog against the Astros. Um, the Union were an underdog. If you're a soccer guy, the Philadelphia Eagles are not an underdog. I find a lot of people have trouble accepting that do you see that mike i do john and i think the difference is the expectations with which the team entered the season um i've always maintained this that in some ways the worst season in philadelphia sports history or at least the two that were the worst were were the 2011 phillies and the 2002 2003 eagles because those were teams that entered their seasons the favorite to win the World Series and to get to or win the Super Bowl. And that's the kind of situation that I think Philadelphia fans have a really hard time dealing with. Because naturally, they are always looking up for the safe or the anvil that's going to fall <laughs> on their heads at any moment. Yeah. I agree with you now that the Eagles are not an underdog anymore. And I agree with you that they are the best team in the NFL. But they didn't start out that way. And so I think people are having an easier time kind of reconciling themselves to this idea, or at least rationalizing, I should say, that the Eagles are still underdogs. You know, they Jalen Hurts, people had a lot of doubts about him. And people had a lot of doubts about this guy and that guy and all the things that we lived through in 2017 and 2018 as, as, as they were on their way to winning the Super Bowl. Uh, this team and this fan base are still relying on those kinds of factors and tropes all right are the eagles going to be up 10 points in the early stages of the third quarter of the super bowl and some people still being saying yeah but they really haven't beaten anybody (laughs) i'm not 100 percent sold when does that officially come down as a narrative mike uh i think 
probably once they win the Super Bowl, or maybe in that scenario that you're describing, Jody, um, I think if the Eagles were to make it to the Super Bowl. points in the third quarter. We know they can score in the second, but they actually have to get through the third and be up double digits going to the fourth. Then I think they can put it in their rearview mirror. Yeah, I, 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 that's what I was going to say, is I think most Philadelphia fans um, would be on – you know, chewing their fingernails and, you know, having small heart attacks throughout any Super Bowl that involves the Eagles. And it won't be they won't be able to relax until it's over. Um, but, yeah, I think most fans are looking at this and saying this is different from the Donovan McNabb, Andy Reid Eagles. And this is different from those rare occasions when other teams in town have been expected to be great. I don't think the Eagles um, have that expectation yet. So. I think there's a little bit more of people looking at this and saying, wow, this is a great ride. Isn't it amazing that Jalen Hurts came out of nowhere to play this well? Isn't it great that A.J. Brown has been every bit as good as advertised? Isn't it great that the defense is playing this well, et cetera, et cetera? Uh, speaking of Jalen, and you mentioned Donovan McNabb. I thought it was interesting. He, he, Mike, if you remember yesterday, I was chatting. I, I often wonder if uh, Tim Couch or Achilles Smith uh, – got with Andy Reid back in 1999 and Donovan had to go to their situation. How would things have worked out? And you told me you wrote a column about that uh, Achilles Smith back in the day. And now I look forward to Jalen Hurts and everybody saying, oh, the Steelers should have taken him. The Colts should have taken him. All these teams having uh, significant quarterback issues. What do you, what do you, obviously the answer is, a lot of different things, but first and foremost, when you look at Jalen Hurts coming out of nowhere, where do you put the credit? Where do you start the credit for this? Is it him? Is it the work ethic? Is it the coaching staff? Is it the organization? Obviously, it's an amalgamation. Uh, I can't amalgamation. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> but where do you start? Where do you start? I I start with. I kind of splitting it 50 50, John, between Hertz and the coaching staff. In that, I think in Jalen Hurts, you have a person and a player who is willing and wants to improve and is willing and wants to do whatever he has to do to help his team win and to get better at his position. And then you have a coaching staff that said to itself, how do we maximize this player? How do we put him in a position where we can wring every drop of excellence out of him? What is the system we need to put him in? What are, what are the play calling patterns we need to establish so that he can improve? And I think it's a combination of those two things. I, do, I don't necessarily think that Jalen Hurts would be playing this well in any situation around the NFL. It's easy for the Steelers to say, oh, we should have drafted Jalen Hurts. Well, maybe the Steelers wouldn't have put Jalen Hurts in the kind of position and system that the Eagles and Nick Sirianni and Shane Steichen uh, have put him in. And so you're right. It's always a combination of those things, but I do think this is kind of a, a perfect formula. And I think the other thing that I can't recall if I've talked about this with you guys, but it's something I've mentioned before too. The Eagles as an organization have decided we are going to maximize Jalen Hurts as he is now. And I think that's really important. You know, we, we often think and talk in sports about, hey, the Eagles have stumbled onto a franchise quarterback and, and, you know, now they've got their guy for years and years. 
I maintain the Eagles aren't approaching this season that way. They are approaching the season as if we've got Jalen Hurts and we've got this set of circumstances right now. And so we are going to run him if we need to run him. We are going to have him throw it if, if he needs to throw it. And we are going to take advantage of these conditions right now because they are set up perfectly for them to be a Super Bowl contender. And so far they have been. Now I'm going to again qualify my statement by saying these are the undefeated Philadelphia Eagles. Because sometimes when I put out any questions about the Eagles, I'm an Eagle detractor or hater and not recognizing that they're 8 no. Someone picked them to go in the Super Bowl before the year start. I won't say who that is. That but, was not me. Uh, I will say that. Correct. Um, the last couple of weeks, teams have run the football against the Eagles. One with Jordan Davis, one without Jordan Davis. They've not been a good tackling team. Um, use your metrics. Uh, uh, acknowledge pro football focus or not. Uh, I do it with my own two eyes. They're not a good tackling team. How big a concern is that, Mike? Or do we just go, hey, Ain't no, shut up. They don't lose games. Shut up, McDonald. Or do we actually say, yeah, you know, they could improve tackling. Well, first of all, we never say shut up, McDonald. I mean, that that would be rude, number one. Apparently, you don't uh, look at the right (laughs) side of the screen here. We in Philadelphia are not rude, Jody. We are not rude. Um, Ha, ha, ha. Wink, wink. Um, No, I think it is a concern. And I think that if they run into the wrong kind of team on the wrong kind of day, then yeah, it could be a much bigger concern. Um, you know, because you need the combination of the two things. The, the Eagles' pass defense has been really good, and so what you would have to have would be a team that just runs the ball down their throat for the entirety of the game, and then you'd have to have uh, an opposing defense that can stifle or at least slow down the Eagles' offense because the Eagles' offense has been terrific and nobody's been able to find a way to counteract what the Eagles have been doing. So you kind of have to have those two things working at once. The Eagles wouldn't be able to stop. I don't know, pick your, pick your running back, Jonathan Taylor next week or whoever the commanders might a couple weeks. Yeah. Derek Henry, a couple weeks from now, or whoever the commanders might be giving the ball to on Monday night. And then let's stay with Monday night for a second. That front seven of Washington, you know, causes the Eagles some problems. And on a particular night, the Eagles struggle and maybe lose a game. So it is a concern in that regard. But the other part of it is they are eventually going to get Jordan Davis back. Um, and Jonathan Gannon, after you know that rough opening week against Detroit, has overseen a defense that's looked pretty good week after week after week and you know will likely make an adjustment. So is it a concern insofar as they might lose a game because a team runs the ball down their throat? Yeah, that's a concern. But it's only a concern if you thought that they were really going to go 17 and 0, which I don't think anybody did. No. And is that really important, Mike, when you weigh the big picture of obviously the Lombardi trophy is the, the, the goal, but I mean, there is a, a historic nature of, of being the first perfect team since the 72 dolphins. If, if they reach, 14 and 0 if they reach 15 and 0 and they have everything locked up as far as being the number one seed on the nfc side should they go for 17 and 0 yes they should they absolutely should um andy reed rested his starters in 2004 when the eagles were 13 and 1 they were not 14 and 0 Jim Caldwell rested Peyton Manning and his starters in 2009 when they were 14 and 0 
and they lost their last two games. And Caldwell justified it by saying, well, we need to rest the guys. We want to keep them healthy for the playoffs. Colts made it to the Super Bowl and lost to the Saints. So they ended up without the undefeated season and without the championship. You never know what's going to happen. Go for immortality. If you are fifth, if the Eagles are 15 and 0 and have everything wrapped up, go for 17 and 0. Um, mm. You know, because you may not get it and you may not win the Super Bowl, but at least you tried. And, you know, it would be an incredible accomplishment for them to go 17 and 0. You know, John, one of the things I, I say to people often is when, when people talk about, significant years in Philadelphia sports. You know, you think of the Eagles winning the Super Bowl in 17 and 18. You think of the Phillies winning the World Series in 2008. You think of 1980 when all four of the major teams at the time reached the championship game around and only the Phillies won the World Series. I think of 2010. You know why? Because the Philadelphia Flyers came back from a three games to none deficit in the second round, became only the third NHL team to ever do that, and then went on and made it to the Stanley Cup Finals. And Roy Halladay threw a no-hitter in the playoffs for the Phillies. Those are two things you rarely, if ever, see. And it made that year really, really memorable. And the fact that the neither of those teams won a championship, yeah, it hurts. But you still had the memories of those amazing moments and accomplishments. So if the Eagles were to go 17-0, and I think it would people would remember it here for a long time, even right. if they didn't win the Super Bowl. I appreciate your opinion, and I share your opinion. I'd like to see the Eagles go for history. Give me a percentage number that you think that's the way it'll actually play out. Not that we're, we're jettisoning ahead to 15 and 0. We're not Can't going do to do that, by the way. We, we start with that as the premise that they're going 15 and 0, and then right. we have to figure out the last two games. Percentage chance the Eagles end up deciding to play it the way you and I would prefer? That's a good question, Jody. Um, because I'll give you I would, my percentage chance. I, I would say it's better than average. I would say it's better than 50-50. Um, I, I would say 2% chance. You think? You think by, they're going to rest everybody? Oh, by the actions that they've taken to this point, the way they handled preseason? No. Uh, who's who's my favorite uh, doctor on the Eagles? Arstenota. Arstenota uh, will get the big heavy boat on this one, Mikey. No, 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 no. They're all coming off the field. I think it's different if you get to 15 and 0. And I also think you have to take into consideration, um, you know, the, the, what condition are they in at that time, right? That's part true. of what informed, part of what informed Andy Reid's decision to sit his starters with a team 13 and 1 <laughs> was that Terrell Owens had gotten hurt, right? And so the specter of if we lose another major player, we're really going to be in trouble was kind of looming over the team. So I, I would offer that caveat, right? If, if they're 15 and 0, but AJ Brown is hurt or Dallas Goddard, Goddard is hurt and can't play. That's one thing. If they're 15 and 0 and rolling and everybody's healthy, well, you're going to get two weeks to rest between the end of the regular season and the first playoff game. I would go for it. And I would like to think that Nick Sirianni and Howie Roseman and Jeffrey Lurie would want to go for it too. Well, I don't think there's any question, and this is where I think it, the crux of it is, Mike. Nick Sirianni would want to go for 17-0. I don't think there's any question. So the, the real question is, would Howie Roseman and or Jeffrey Lurie mixed in say, you know what, it's not important. We got to do it this way. Okay, I'll, I will roll that dice with anybody, John, especially based on what 
the cameras caught Howie saying before that Thursday night game yeah. in Houston, yeah. when yeah. the one Eagles fan was giving him grief and he said, you, you know, I won you your only Super Bowl, bleep you. Yeah. You tell me Howie Roseman wouldn't want to go unbeaten and go 17 and 0? Come on. Well, he, good point. But, but he already good put point. the emphasis on Super Bowl again. He wants to win your second Super Bowl. And that's why they pull guys because you don't want to see A.J. Brown pull a hammy while he's out there in a game that's going to move the Eagles from 15 and 0 to either 16 and 0 or 15 and 1. I think they would take their chances, Jody. I really do. Yeah, Mike brings up a good point. I hadn't thought of it that way. It would be a feather in Howie Roseman's cap as well, uh, not just Nick Sirianni. So that is a good point. Um, and Howie is, you know, Howie's got a chip on his shoulder because, yeah. uh, uh, and, and you saw it in that sort of viral video. Um, John, John, not to interrupt, but anybody who was in the U.S. Bank Stadium locker room with the Eagles after Super Bowl 52 knows what a chip Howie Roseman has on his shoulder. Oh, yeah. Okay? Oh, yeah. And I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, understood. So then, then, I, then I got a question for both you guys. Why isn't he overruling Arch Stenota that the Eagles are uh, pulling guys out of preseason but, 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 that, that, that Arch because isn't making any decisions. He's, and, uh, and, Jody, preseason games and yeah. week one aren't the same thing as 15-0, 16-0 going for NFL immortality. Okay. Yeah. I, I God, please let it be true that you guys have the right read on this because yeah. that's what I want to see. But I have a true fear that the Eagles will revert to, yeah, health is the most important thing. And uh, are, are we going to get less of a Super Bowl parade if we win it at 18 and 2 than we will if we win it 20 and 0? Well, uh, what you're going to get, Jody, is, you know, the 10 players or whatever the number was that were resting yesterday, right. they're going to continue to rest all the way up through the Super Bowl if the Eagles make it that far. Um, you know, I, I want to, you, you bring up Doug Peterson, Mike, you know, it was really quick, 2016, 2017. Um, you know, people were saying, would Doug Peterson be one and done? Uh, Frank Reich, by the way, underreported story. Uh, Doug kind of saved his job. The Eagles wanted to to fire mm -hmm. Frank Reich. Um, and here we are in year two of Nick Sirianni. You remember two and five, there were at least whispers of this guy's not prepared for this. This this guy's not ready for this. This guy's going to be one and done. Yep. And now here we are in year two, eight and oh, potentially the best team in football. Um, it, it, is there a weird kind of disc? It's got to go down, right? It's got to go down for Nick Sirianni <laughs> at this point. I, it, there, there's no. It always kind of. It always kind of does, John. I mean, I, I've made this point in columns over the last year or two, or even before that, that that what you trace under Jeffrey Lurie's ownership of the Eagles is not necessarily the head coach. What you trace is the quarterback situation. Right. OK, so Ray Rhodes had Ty Detmer and Rodney Pete and Bobby Hoying. Yeah. And so really good to begin 10 and six the first couple of years. And then it falls off and Ray Rhodes gets fired. Andy Reid had Donovan McNabb. And as long as those two were a pair, were a team, were a tandem, Andy was fine here. As soon as they traded Donovan, and I'm not suggesting they shouldn't have because it was time to move on from Donovan. Andy got three years and he was fired. 
because Michael Vick gave way to Kevin Cobb, gave way to Michael Vick, gave way to Nick Foles, and just it all kind of fell apart. Chip Kelly, for all the you know interpersonal problems that he had throughout the organization, had Michael Vick and Nick Foles and Mark Sanchez and Sam Bradford, and he didn't last three years. And then you had Doug Peterson, who won a Super Bowl, but then it fell apart with Carson Wentz. And so it fell apart with Doug Peterson, too. And so I look at Nick Sirianni the same way, which is to say that if Nick Sirianni, if something happens where Jalen Hurts isn't playing as well as he once did, you know, a year or two from now, if he's if 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 the 2024 version of Jalen Hurts is not the 2022 version of Jalen Hurts, uh, then Nick Sirianni's job is going to be in jeopardy too, because that's the way Jeffrey yeah. Lurie does things. That's He's a really good at finding bar too. That yeah. is a difficult bar to reach. Once it, you hit the ceiling, it is a difficult bar to reach. It, it is. Look, Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman do a great job of hiring co- head coaches. They rarely miss, and these guys, within the first couple of years have the Eagles back on track and and winning games, winning 10 games in a season, 11 games in a season, becoming contenders and rising teams. But with the exception of Andy Reid, it doesn't last all that long. And you ask why, and you look at the quarterback position. So I think that still holds true for Nick Sirianni. I don't think necessarily that 8-0 buys Nick Sirianni anything approaching like a 10-year contract with Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman. It just doesn't. The, the track record you know, is clear that the opposite is true. All right, then, Mike, how many shows here on Birds 365, shows on WIP, columns written by Mike Sielski, will be centering around Jalen Hurts, the $300 million man. If everything goes according to and he's right there and either wins the MVP or finishes second. And the Eagles go 19 and one, including a Super Bowl victory. The sky is still the limit. And Jalen Hurts and his agent come in and go, no, no, there's no floor to this conversation. We're moving immediately to the ceiling. We want to be the highest paid quarterback with the most guaranteed money in the history of the National Football League. How do you tell a guy no? I don't know, Jody. This to me is the most fascinating question of the Eagles' future. It really is. Because at some point, I think, as long as the collective bargaining agreement stays as it is, at some point, there is going to be an NFL team that encounters a question like this that has been winning and winning big and getting excellent play out of a quarterback on his rookie contract. And instead of saying, we are going to give that guy $300 million, we, are, we the team are going to say, you know what? The conditions around which, you know, that existed around this player that we were able to set up because the quarterback wasn't making a whole lot of money and wasn't costing us a lot of money under the salary cap. That's why we did as well as we did. That's why he did as well as he did. And no, we are not going to sign him to as if he is Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady or name your all-time great. I think we're seeing it. We might be seeing it in Baltimore with Lamar Jackson. We might be seeing it. And I I really wonder what's going to happen with the Eagles. Now, I think 
Jeffrey Lurie will probably say yes to that because I think Jeffrey Lurie also wants the ancillary benefits that come with having a, a elite quarterback be the face of your franchise. They didn't just give Carson Wentz that long-term deal because of what he did on the field. They gave it to him because they perceived that he presented a good face for the organization. Oops. They, they were wrong about that, but that's yeah. part of the reason that they, that's a big part of the reason why they signed into that deal. Yeah. I think they would still do the same thing with Jalen Hurts, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be Super Bowl contenders every year thereafter with Jalen Hurts in a $300 million contract. Yeah, I brought that up myself, Mike, many times over the years. It's sort of like a college-like atmosphere. Just roll it over every mm -hmm. four years. Um, and if you build up a program and you can build up a team, I just don't think it's possible at the pro level. You bring up Baltimore. No, they're trying to pay Lamar. Lamar's betting on himself. He just right. wants more. They they want to pay him. Uh, the Eagles are going to pay Jalen Hurts. Um, yeah. And then yeah, it becomes are. a different game. It becomes a different game. You have to build your roster differently. I've, I've always been interested if somebody would show the courage to do what you were describing. I don't see anybody with that kind of courage to, to say – I'm going to take a player who's playing at an MVP level and let him walk because I just think it's too esoteric. I think the fan base would lose its mind. You, you could explain it to him and say exactly what you did. It makes a lot of sense. Right. You know, you're, you're building up this great roster, but you can't do that when you pay the quarterback. I just think it, it, it's too difficult at the professional level. Do you, do you think and not only will have that courage. Yeah, and and I and not only that, John. It goes to the the latter point I made, which is that the owners of these teams want to make even billions of dollars more than they already make, and they want the status that comes with having the guy. Okay, Robert Kraft had Tom Brady, which made you know the the Kansas City Chiefs have Patrick Mahomes. Jeffrey Lurie loved it when Donovan McNabb was here, not just because Donovan McNabb made the Eagles a terrific team, but because he was in all those chunky soup ads. He yeah. was part of the water cooler conversation around pro football that not just the hardcore fans like us engage in, but that the grandmother who only watches the Eagles on Sundays and only pays attention to it because she likes Donovan McNabb and seems like he's a nice guy in those TV commercials. They want those people involved too. And there's a status and uh, a prestige that comes with having that kind of, of quarterback. And so, yeah, I think you're right. I think they will sign Jalen Hurts. The question is, how good are they going to be once they do that? Right. And Jalen Hurts is going to be in a heck of a leverage position. And, John, on your point about why hasn't this happened yet, big part of it, your favorite, one of your favorite phrases, startup costs. It's really nice conceptually. Well, we'll just plug in the next Jalen Hurts. We'll pick him out in the second round and we'll just plug. Well, number one, there's a little luck involved to get in the second round with that kind of talent. Number two, they did have to go through those four games with Carson Wentz. They did have to go through last year before they got to. So, oh, by the way, take two years for us to get back to the level that we're letting them walk away at. Yeah, Eagle fans are not going to be happy with that. Any team's fan base wouldn't be happy with that. All right, Mr. Sielski. Commanders, Monday night, percentage chance the Eagles lose their first game? Five. Five percent chance. Yeah. I'm not yeah. a big Taylor Heineke guy. I, I'm not either. I think he's better than Wentz at this stage. Yeah, I really lot, do. Sadly. Um, 
you know, he will give Washington's receivers the chance to make some plays. Um, Sirianni said this yesterday, you know, throw some 50-50 balls up there. I think Jonathan Gannon said it a couple yeah. days ago when I asked him about it. You know, Heineke will give his receivers chances to make plays. And when you have guys like Terry McCall and you know, McLaurin on the outside, excuse me, um, they can do that. But they're not a good team. They're just not. And uh, the Eagles are. The Eagles are a really good team. And it's a Monday night at home. They should they should win, and they should win handily. All right, uh, Mike, can we talk about your new book idea yet? Because it's very interesting to me. And I yes, we, our, absolutely, our, we can, our, we can talk about new books. We can talk about old books. Yeah. We can talk about all that Let's stuff. Talk about them all. Well, well the old be- books, we, we, we know the rise of KobeBook.com, if you want to read uh, Mike's brilliant book on Kobe Bryant. Uh, the next one that I'm interested in is the, the history of the slam dunk. And I want yes. to give you a recommendation. You got to talk to Jackie Moon about that. Have you <laughs> talked to Will Ferrell? I have not talked to Will Ferrell. I'm, I'm, you know, it hadn't occurred to me to look at it that way, John. Um, yeah. But that's a really good idea. I did want to do something with related to white men can't jump um, yeah. and maybe getting Ron Shelton on the horn. But yeah, the book is going to be um, a history of the slam dunk and kind of the significance and influence of this particular shot on basketball and in a way like American society. Like, for instance, the first dunk in an official game took place at the 1936 Olympics in Berlin, Germany, mm-hmm. um, you know, which is supposed to be the, you know, was supposed to be the crowning of Adolf Hitler as the ruler of everything. And um, not only do you get Jesse Owens, you know, thumbing his nose in his face, but you get uh, a, a native Texan named Joe Fortenberry who dunks in the gold medal game. Um, and then you have the NCAA banning it from 1967 to 1977 and the reasons and implications of that. And you have Julius Irving and Michael Jordan and hundreds of guys who play on playgrounds in New York and Philadelphia uh, and the Rucker tournament and all the sociological kind of stuff that goes with the dunk and how it has influenced basketball over the years. Uh, John Morant, Daryl Dawkins, um, the 1983 Final Four with Phi Slamma Jamma and Lorenzo Charles. It just, it takes you in a lot of different interesting places. And so, um, yeah, that's the next project. I'll be working on it over the next year, and hopefully the book comes out in 2024. Very cool. Very much looking forward to it. Mikey, as always, great stuff. Appreciate it. Be listening Saturday. Be reading you all week. And I hope your 5% read is right, and we're talking about the undefeated Eagles again next week. Thanks, bud. Always good to see you guys. Thanks. Mike Sealski, uh, here with some birds 365. Uh, got one guy here on the stream, not a Mike Sealski fan. How could you not enjoy that segment? Yeah, how could you not be a Mike Sealski fan? By the way, Philadelphia, yeah. I mean, between Julius Serving and and Daryl Dawkins, I mean, that when you Big talk part about of dunks, the history yeah. of the slam dunk, exactly. Yeah, I yeah. uh, see that. But the thing, oh, now I'll, I'll take some. But anybody who's seen, uh, anybody who has uh, seen, uh, the uh, semi-pro movie with Will Ferrell knows what I'm talking about. The Jackie Moon. Jackie Moon. I uh, love that reference. Yeah. That was great. <laughs> yeah. But as far as Doc goes, Doc was Doc long before he ever got to Philadelphia. Oh, yeah. He was the yeah. New York legend. Oh, yeah. He was a Virginia New Squire York. legend before, you know, he went back to New York with the with the right. Nets. Um, yeah. I mean, Doc, but Doc is Doc. And, I, you know, that's one of those. I, I've had these arguments, and I know we got to go to break. Here I go again. 
he's one of the greatest players in NBA history. And I think it's gotten lost a little bit uh, because, you know, time goes by, people forget. I don't think people realize how dominant and, and you, you, unique he was on the culture of basketball. Um, you know, one of the biggest imprints in the history uh, of the NBA uh, and the ABA before it, as you mentioned. Right. And he, he made it made that big imprint long before he ever got here to Philadelphia and you know, Philadelphia and so on. He had that, but it is true. He extended it here in Philadelphia, but he made it before he ever got here to Philly. I right, Jody Mac, Johnny Mac coming back. We both got to give you a score on the upcoming Monday night football. Oh, no, we don't because we can do it on Monday. What the hell am I talking about? You're, you're not going to get a score from me. No. We'll see if I can no. coax this. We, 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 we got to mull this over over the weekend, Jody. All right. We'll mull it over the last break here on Birds 365. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Since 1977 at Rafferty Subaru, we have always been about our customers and the community. Early on, a safe and durable option, we've evolved to become the best overall brand according to Kelly Blue Book. Over the last 14 years, we've donated thousands of dollars through the Subaru Share the Love event and found homes for hundreds of pets. The Rafferty family is proud of our 45 years in business. This month, celebrate our anniversary with special financing on select models. Visit us and see why. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Pondley Hockey. We've helped over 100,000 injured and disabled workers obtain benefits, as well as some of the biggest settlements in the state. If you've been injured at work, give Pondley Hockey a call.
right, Mega Mac guys, we've got just a couple minutes before we're stepping on uh, Rick Saratella. Um, nothing with the Eagles this weekend. Don't play till Monday. John and I may be here Monday to talk about it. But, John, I think the NFC East keeps the pressure on. Giants are going to win. They're going to beat the Texans. I think the Cowboys are going to go into Green Bay. I think the Packers are done. I think they're cooked. So I think the Cowboys are going to win. So the question I have for you is, can the Vikings with a wounded warrior in Josh Allen beat Buffalo this weekend? I don't think Josh Allen is playing. And I said that earlier in the week. He hasn't practiced at all. I don't think he's going to practice today. I don't know if they're going to rule him out. But I don't think he's playing. And I still think Buffalo is going to win the game. You think Buffalo wins with uh, Case Case Keenum? Keenum, Yeah. I think it'll be a close game. But I, I, I think they win the game. If Josh Allen doesn't play, Vikings win. So the three closest team in the NFC will keep the heat on the Eagles which will just prep them for Monday against it. That's bad news for the commanders, as a matter of fact. All right, partner, uh, have a good weekend. Another weekend. You don't have to You don't have to go anywhere. You get to sit home and watch wow. football. Your wife's going to let you put your feet up on the furniture, right? Uh, she's out of town, so yes. Yes. Very nice. Um, but, they, you know, I still got to work. Eagles practice today. Eagles practice Saturday, so. You know, right. still stuff to do, Jody. That Eagle practice Saturday. Ooh, they're going to put in some big-time effort in that one. Yeah, right. That's not a walkthrough. Have they officially called that a walkthrough yet? Uh, no, it's a real practice, but uh, <laughs> it's a very short practice. Yeah, uh, good luck with that. All right, uh, McMullen and McDonald, we'll be back here on Monday. Have a great weekend, everybody, but get here Monday in 2 and 2. You've been listening to Birds 365, the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.